This week's episode, also known as our mid-season premiere of the Around the Boards podcast, your home for all things hockey here in Southern Nevada, presented by the UNLV Rebel Report. After a little bit of a prolonged Christmas break, <laughs> Matt and Dom are back to break down all of the latest and greatest hockey news here in Southern Nevada. Dom, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm just excited to be back and excited to talk hockey for 30 minutes a week. Same, same, brother. I, uh, I, I full, full disclosure, I had a little bout with COVID over the last couple of week and a half or so, which resulted in a day and a half of actually being sick and the rest of the time spent inside because I couldn't leave and that was uh it's brutal. Yeah, a little annoying, but uh glad we're back and uh let's why don't we uh why don't we talk some hockey? Let's talk some UNLV stuff. Let's do it. Um so let's let's look back because we didn't get a chance to recap the uh Jamestown series which was a couple of weeks ago and um they ended up being two wins that weekend fortunately. Um one was a 4-3 win in overtime, the other was a 5-3 win in regulation. Um in that first game Actually, so going back a little bit, Jamestown had already played three games coming into that series. Mm-hmm. They played t- all three on the road. Their l- most recent one was a game against uh, GCU. Yes, GCU. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, where they ended up losing 5-4 in overtime, I believe. It was either 6-5 or 5-4. It was one of those two. It was a high-scoring game. Um, but you, they came into this game against UNLV, and you had to figure, okay, well, they're going to have their legs on them. UNLV hasn't played yeah. six weeks. And, yeah, that's kind of what it looked like to start for a majority of the game. Uh Jamestown ended up jumping out to a 2 nothing lead. Uh, and then UNLV in the second period ended up scoring two goals about 30 seconds apart. Brendan Manning gets the original goal. Kid from uh, Jamestown takes a penalty on that play. And then Max Johnson puts in his puts in a power play goal for his, at the time, 14th goal of the season. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden that game goes from, well, looks like they're going to lose their second game at home to, okay, now the game's tied. And they've got a real shot to come out of it, this thing, with it. Um, but, again, to start the third period, uh, Jamestown jumps on them. They end up scoring the goal to take lead 3-2. to two. Um, But then towards the end of the period, it's none other than Bradley Gallon, who seems at this point to be scoring a lot of clutch goals for this team, yeah. ties the game. Game goes to overtime. Paxton Malone wins it in overtime for them. And they ended up coming out of that one with a win. Um Overall, there was there were some issues with that game again. Some of the penalties start getting them into trouble. Fortunately, their penalty kill comes up big. They don't end up allowing anything. Um, Wixon was pretty good in net that night too. Probably part of the big reason that the team didn't end up folding. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Like I noticed it off the jump too. They definitely looked sluggish, and um, it took them a while to kind of get their legs under them. It kind of looks like. A bit like maybe the U of A series. That's what it kind of like felt like the way they kind of started chasing that game throughout the first, second, and like the early minutes of the third period. Just because you know you go down two nothing at home in your first game back, you're like looking slow, and then you tie it like thirty seconds apart, and then to open up the final frame, you give up a goal, and now all of a sudden you're chasing the game again. And you know it took until I think the six minute mark for Gallant to score that game tying goal. So. I mean, they definitely kind of were chasing the game a little bit, but like you said, the penalty kill was unreal like they have been all year, and just they, they kind of got lucky, but like it definitely took them a second to kind of get back in the swing of things. Time of that Gallant goal was at 13.38 of the third period. So, yeah, you're pretty close. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. But um, it was just kind of a little wake-up call, I guess. And, I mean, they came out the next night, which we're about to get into, um, 
and they looked a lot better, but the penalties were kind of questionable that game, if, in my opinion. Yeah, so the, in the first game, they ended up giving Jamestown five power play opportunities. Uh, that doesn't take into account the offsetting minors mm-hmm. the, and all the other things that happened. There were a lot of... A lot of scrums after the whistle. A lot of a couple. It took another few unsportsmanlike penalties, which again, that's that's my big issue. That those kind of things can't happen. No. Um. But again, moving into the second game, like you said, a much better performance for them overall. Uh, they ended up getting a goal seventy seconds into the game from Nick Flanders, and then on the next shift of the game, literally the next shift of the game, uh, Jamestown comes back and ties it. Yeah. Which I remember I was in the middle. I was on the call of that game. I was in the middle of talking about Flanders' goal, and then, boom, they score again. And I'm just like, come on, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, I want to finish my thought. Um, but anyway, that, that's that's the beauty of being on uh, on broadcast sometimes. But UNLV jumps back. Max Johnson, again, comes up with another big goal, something, again, that he seems to do all year. He picks up two goals in this game. He gets the next one, which ends up putting them up 3-1 to one as well. Um, and then at that point, it looked like they were going to kind of run away with this game. Um, but then you get two goals back-to-back from Jamestown that end up making the game 4-3. to three, uh, And the game got really tight after that. Um, but at the end of the day, Brendan Manning puts in a his second goal of the game for an empty netter. And they end up leaving that one with a 5-3 win. Again, it's a much better, much better performance. Again, the penalties is a little bit little bit more of an issue, and that does kind of come bite them this time mm-hmm. when they end up giving up power play goal in this game, which was one of those goals that – which was the goal that ended up cutting it to a one-goal game. Um, again, those are things that just – we've been saying it all year long, and I've been saying it on the broadcast. They're just untimely penalties that end up coming up and putting their penalty killers in a bad situation, and to that night it ended up kind of causing them some trouble. Yeah, and that second game, it was just – it wasn't, like, too, too bad, in, like, early on, but it definitely peaked in the third period. Like, after the game was kind of, like, kind of certain that UNLV was going to win, but not entirely certain. And then that huge scrum after the whistle started after, I believe it was Max Johnson who cranked him one right, time after yeah. the whistle. And then everybody came together. Um, Alec got tossed. Um, Luke Burke got tossed. He ended up getting suspended for a game for fighting. And there's just a lot of chaos going on. I mean, it was fun to watch from the stands, but from that standpoint, you can't really do that. You know, like I get sticking up for your team, but, um, you just, you gotta be, you gotta be smart. Yeah. You have to be like, okay, well we're in the lead. There's still a handful of time left. We don't want to turn into the Vegas golden Knights from the, (laughs) the first round in game seven, a couple years ago. Or the Toronto Maple Leafs basically every single year in a game seven in the first round. Yeah, so true. It's just kind of play a bit smarter, but you know their penalty kill has been bailing them out all year, and I don't mean I don't say that as a bad thing. Their penalty kill is phenomenal. I mean, when you have Gallant and Batuzov out there, they're just energetic. They're just always going. They're always in your face, but they're fast enough to just be in your face, be in deep on the forecheck, and then manage to get back or have a really solid back check and really just disrupt the play um, for whatever team's power play they're facing. So, I mean, they've been great, but you can't really rely on that too, too much. And it almost came back to bite them, and it almost came back to bite them against Arizona too. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Um, fun fact before I, I go into my point about that that big scrum, um, you know what their penalty kill is this year? 
I do not off the top of my head. 90%. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a, I can't find this. I can't find the booklet anymore, but there's a little booklet that the ACHA put out that has all the team stats. And yeah, their, their penalty kill is hovering just at about 90%. Uh, their power play on the other hand is under 15 Ooh. And uh, that's kind of been an issue <laughs> that you've seen kind of crop up over the last couple of games because they were they were getting power play opportunities in these couple of games, but they only end up with one goal. And I mean, yeah. the big thing, at least that I, at least that I see, is that especially with their big unit out there, their entire game plan is to get the puck over to Alec Johnson and let him rip one timers mm-hmm. from the faceoff circle. And teams have noticed that, and they've taken that away. Yeah. Um. So at that point, they're not able to really work the puck into the middle like they would like to do alternatively. And so that unit seems like they're kind of struggling a little bit lately. Um, a lot of the power play goals as of recent have come from the second unit. Um, again, I'm assuming that'll be fixed at some point, and, but that's something that's going to have to – 13% of the power play is not good enough. Yeah. Um, we, we made that comment with the other team in town uh, quite a bit this year when their power play mm-hmm. went 0 for 20 <laughs> to start the year. Still a little bit salty about that. But anyway, um, I want to go to my point now about the um, – about that big fight that happened. Um, just because I remember now that Dom brings it up, I remember exactly what happened. So like he said, yeah, you had a Mac, good view of that. Yeah. I was right in front of it. So Max Johnson rips a, uh, a one timer from the point after the whistle. Yeah. And then the That's kid from Jamestown, I it believe it's Marquez ginger. Yeah. Yeah. Comes in and basically punches him in the back of the head. Uh, was the shot after the whistle? Yes. Could you make an argument that it was like bang, bang? Yes. Um, But at that point, chaos ensued. Mm -hmm. So here are the penalties from that, (laughs) by the way. Logan Bergeron picks up a fighting DQ. So that's a 10-minute penalty and, again, a suspension. Morgan Vanny picks up a – or Morgan Venn, my apologies, picks up a major for roughing in a game misconduct. Luke Burke picks up the 10-minute fighting uh, disqualification. Alec Johnson gets two minutes for cross-checking, at five minutes for roughing, and a 10-minute game misconduct. <laughs> and then immediately after that situation starts, uh, Jamestown's on a f- uh, power play after all of that. Uh, Michael Batusov then takes a roughing penalty along yeah. the boards, and that puts them on a five-on-three for almost two minutes, and that's where the goal ends up coming from. So... Little, little bit of a scrum it was a there. Mess. It was yeah, a mess. it was. But again, in, in that situation, you, you got to be a little bit smarter than that. I mean, because that's two of you, two really good players getting mm-hmm. kicked out of the game for them, and that could have gone sideways quickly. And that's also one of your best penalty killers in the box, too. Yeah. So again, but it happened. It is mm-hmm. what it is. They end up coming out of the game with a win. So at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. Now, the next game we're going to talk about, even though they came out of a win, Holy. was a big deal. Uh, that that for, we're gonna talk about that first game against Arizona now. So just just quickly, going over the box score and everything. Uh, Jaden Niss, uh, new guy with UNLV, picks up his first goal of the season. Uh, so they take an early lead. Uh, UVA comes back and ties it about six or seven minutes after that. Um, but the big kind—I don't want to call it the turning point—but the big kind of moment in this game, late in the first period, Jason Demizio along the right wing i believe it was takes a five minute boarding call mm-hmm. uh gets kicked out of the game fortunately for them the kid from u of a makes the biggest boneheaded play on the planet <laughs> and gets called for a double minor 
So it's only ends up being a one minute, <laughs> a one minute major with a with four minutes of four on four. And guess what happens on that four on four? Jared Erickson gets a goal with them literally a second left in the period. And they come out of that period with a two on one. That could have been an absolute disaster. Oh yeah. But because of the boneheaded play to take a f- four minute double minor penalty by the kid from Arizona, uh, they end up escaping that. Uh, moving then into the second period, Brendan Manning gets skull. UNLV goes up 3-1, and again, we look at this going, okay, well, they're going to coast. Then the third period happens, and the penalties, again, really jump back and get them. They ended up giving Arizona eight power play opportunities in that game. Eight. That, and again, that also doesn't include the offsetting penalties, any of that and there's stuff. There's a lot of those. So. There were. Um, and I'll go through all of those when we're <laughs> done here in a second, just because I want to kind of underscore the magnitude of what was happening. But the funny thing was is that before uh, Matthew Hall's goal that ended up cutting the lead to one, they ended up having a goal that was called back for goalie interference. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the angle that we had, I don't know how you feel about this. Um, I don't necessarily – I couldn't see anything. That doesn't mean that there wasn't there. Um, it looked like there was a little bit of contact. But either way, the goal gets taken off the board. Um, and that – but that ends up giving U of A some jump. Yeah. And that's what leads to the power play opportunity that they get, which leads to the power play goal. Um, then this is the one that bugs me. This is the one that really bugs me. The uh, they, were, they were on a five-on-three with about a minute and a half left in the mm-hmm. game. Up by one. All they have to do is take care of the puck. You see where I'm going with this. Yeah. They end up giving up a shorthanded goal on a five-on-three opportunity uh, yes, the puck gets deflected in off of somebody's skate, but again, just things that can't happen. Now, all of a sudden, the game is tied. Um, they had a chance, too, at the end of regulation. Cole mm-hmm. Wyatt had a wide-open net and just shot the puck wide. It happens. All yeah. right, it's not a big deal. Um, but the game goes to overtime, and this is the funny part, though, because you and I were texting back and forth after this. <laughs> so Max Johnson gets the game winner. Skates by the U of A crowd, starts doing some throat slashing, a little bit of a shh thing towards the crowd, and the crowd just goes crazy. And oh, they start uh, throwing stuff at the kids. Kids are over there just, you know, having a good time. number one. Yeah, exactly. Very Give, politely. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that was one of the funnier things I think I've seen, but it doesn't change the fact <laughs> that UNLV really shot themselves in the foot in that yeah, game. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, I was – like just frustrated not not even like from a biased standpoint it was just frustrating to watch as like a hockey fan like just take care of the lead don't take so many penalties like emotions run high yeah but like you just got to try and keep it in check and they were talking about on the broadcast a lot especially friday night of how cocky and like i I guess i'll quote them using cocky but i'll kind of say confident and like the kind of swagger the team has because even talking to, like, some of the captains, the assistant captains, like, um, Mozilla specifically, like, he likes to have the team carry themselves as, like, a championship contender. Like, they're going to win night in and night out. And that's yep. great. But sometimes it can kind of come off as, like, arrogance and, like, cockiness. And I feel like that's what kind of came off this weekend. And you, that's just kind of how I felt it happened just because of the penalties that they were taking the amount of times they were barking at the referee, the amount of times they were interacting with the crowd during the game and all of that. And, I mean, as funny as Max's celebration was 
And as funny as it was that the U of A fan decided to toss a beer on the ice and it nailed Bradley Gallant and like drenched him, it's still kind of like you gotta reel it in because you still have one more game left. Yeah, that's 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 an ultimate like man man law violation right there. Yeah. Throwing, <laughs> wasting a perfectly good beer like that. Yeah, yeah. Brendan Manning talked about that on the Instagram post. <laughs> he was like, a U of A spilled uh, waste beer confirmed. And I was like, well, that's a breaking story right there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just to, just to go over some of the penalties that happened in the third period. Again, this this takes into account all the offsetting things because there was kind of a big scrum mm-hmm. that happened during that as well. Um, so let, let's start from – we're going to start from the beginning and go through all of them. So at a minute 19 seconds, so there's, this was when there was kind of a big scrum that happened. Uh, Bradley Gallant takes a two-minute roughing penalty. Max Johnson takes a two-minute unsportsmanlike penalty. And Sean Ponsky takes a two-minute roughing penalty. Again, that offset with three Arizona penalties. Again, that was a big fight. Whatever. Not the <laughs> biggest deal on the planet. But, again, you got people in the box that – are not going to be able to help contribute to the game. Then after that, after it sort of quiets down for a little bit, Jake Berry takes a hooking penalty, puts U of A on a power play. Okay. Not even 20 seconds later, Michael Patusov gets called for a four minute penalty, mm-hmm. two minutes for unsportsmanlike, like two minutes for tripping that leads to a goal. Okay. And then after that, Alec Johnson then takes a holding penalty Looking like U of A is going to tie it. Fortunately, they don't at that point. But, again, things happen. Uh, Brendan Manning then takes a slashing penalty. Then the um, <laughs> then the head coach gets kicked out of the game. Which I, forgot, I forgot to mention <laughs> that one. That was a good one. So, that was, again, that was that was fun. It was it was fun to watch, but also frustrating. I mean, it was yeah. kind of funny seeing an it empty was, bench for U of A. But. <laughs> it, it was just one of those games that was – Probably would have been a lot more entertaining to watch if you don't follow either of the two teams. Yeah. Because it was it was definitely a comical game, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's it's not one of those games that you want to um, you really want to see your team go through. But anyway, let's move on to the second game because it was a lot it was a lot cleaner um, than the game the night before was. Only three power play opportunities for U of A that time. Spoiler alerts: they don't score on it. Um, but they do end up getting the first goal of the game. Uh, George Orfanos, who had a phenomenal monster game, phenomenal game that night, single-handedly pretty much willed this team into a game because he, I, at least I don't know about you, but I kind of thought that after that game, it was kind of an emotional win and everything. You might think UNLV comes out kind of flat, mm-hmm. and to start the game they kind of did. Yeah, but it really looked like that goal kind of woke them up a little bit, and mm-hmm. then they started to really kind of take control of that game. Mozilla obviously ties the game after like later in the period. Um, U of A jumps on them in the second period, but then they end up kind of really taking control of that game at that point. They end up going up three to one again um, with from Ezekiel Estrada and Jason Demizio. They pick up goals as well. Bradley Gallant then picks up a power play goal for them in the third period, which was their first of the game. Um, and then Max Johnson again, gets another power play goal just as some insurance. And then, that, again, this this game was a lot more one-sided, at least in my eyes. A little bit, yeah. Um, compared to the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, there were still some some kind of cracks in the armor that you could see a little bit that are kind of a little bit of a concern moving forward, especially into the game coming up this weekend, which we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but, yeah, your thoughts? I mean, that, that second game, they definitely came out flat. Like, I noticed that there wasn't as much jump or energy. Um but it did take them a second. I mean, George Ofanos was playing amazing, like yeah. you said. He 
had a hell of a game and was just playing unreal. But it did kind of take them a second to kind of like get woken up and kind of get back into like the groove of the game because, you know, when you win as chippy of a game like that and as emotional of a game like that, like you mentioned, sometimes you just kind of put all of your energy into that one game and then you come out the next night or the next game you're just kind of like there and there wasn't as much intensity or jump because they kind of used it all up in that uh, previous game and honestly even in my opinion I felt like that game was super bland by comparison yeah it was just regular hockey just like kind of north south like oh the occasional penalty here and there the occasional shoving after the whistle because hey don't touch my goalie or hey get out of my crease you know yep and there wasn't much physicality or anything like that. It was a much cleaner game, and it was a complete game by UNLV if you take out the sluggishness at the start. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, it was a solid weekend, I guess. You know, they extended their winning streak. Um, they're still kind of riding high a little bit heading into this weekend's match matchup against Liberty, and the um, new rankings just came out. They're still fourth in the nation. Um, and they're playing Liberty. Liberty is third in the nation. Well, so. I mean, they moved up at least because last week they were fifth or something yeah. like that. So it, it's a huge test this weekend, but definitely kind of playing that clean of a game to end off the series and not mm. ha- like riding that high. Maybe it's not going to be like, oh, well, we're going to come out slow off the jump because we were so intense last weekend. You know, they had that one game to kind of play normal and then they had the week off to kind of practice and kind of come back to earth a little bit so before we uh before we get into the liberty stuff um there's two things i just want to talk about real quick one was a one was a funny penalty that happened in that game I don't, i'm not i don't remember if you caught it or not but at the end of the second period one of the things you know be been kind of doing this game is to give the people on the ice a break when they were uh, icing oh, the puck yeah. <laughs> they were sending five new guys out on the ice <laughs> to try to sneak a line change in and at the end of the second period, the refs called them for a delay of game on that, which is a penalty I've never seen. I've never seen that either. So that that was that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting penalty. Again, they kill it off, not a big deal. Um, but the, the big storyline that comes out of this weekend. Um, so generally in games this season, with the exception of the really big ones that they've played, um, Zach Wixon and Vince Benedetto have split the net. Mm-hmm. Well, this weekend, I've. Uh, Vince got his first back-to-back start, which you would think, okay, that's cool. Uh, but moving forward, it looks like they're going to be without Zach Wixon for who knows how long. Um, that's the, not good. The good news is that he is still practicing. Um, I was there at practice Tuesday. Um, he didn't participate in any of the um, any any of the scrimmage stuff, but he was still there on the ice during the drills. He did not look like himself. Um, he was really kind of sluggish, and I'm not sure if that was just because oh it's practice or if there really is something seriously bothering him. But you got to figure that if he was ready to play, he would have played one of mm-hmm. those two games against Arizona, and that's a little bit of a cause for concern because as good as Vinny is, uh, there's a reason that Wixon has the numbers that he does. Yeah, and for him to potentially not play against Liberty this weekend is massive. Yeah. Um that's again, you're going to Liberty. They've got their 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 raucous crowd that they have. I mean, if you've ever seen any of the videos that they have from their home games, it's pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's a hard place to play in, and to not have your number one goaltender in that. Again, I know Vinny's played really well this year. I know he's on his own win streak right now. But at the same time, Wixon has the numbers that he does. Yeah, and you know, like, it, it's never, like you said, it's not a knock to Vinny. It's just kind of a bit cause for concern, I guess. Because, I mean, he's if Wixon is actually going to be out long-term, Vinny is probably going to get the nod back-to-back again this weekend. And this is the first time he had that happen to him this season. And Played really well in those two yeah, games. Yeah, he played add. great. And it's just kind of like where you're playing a tougher opponent in a tougher barn. So how are you going to deal with the back-to-back? And it's definitely going to be kind of on the team to, like, you know, play well in front of them like they did relatively against Arizona. They played really well in front of them when they weren't taking mountains of penalties or anything. And it's just trying just like – as if Wixon's right behind you in that crease. Just make it easy for the goalie. Yep. Let him see the shots. Make sure there's no shots in any high danger like zones or anything like that. And it's not to kind of patronize Vinny or like baby him or whatever because he's a great goaltender. It's just he how has it is. he plays a lot different style than yeah, Wixon does. Wixon's Wixon's so tall that you can stand in front of him and he'll still see the shot. Yeah, he'll still he rarely see doesn't see shots with Vinny. Again, he's a smaller goaltender, mm-hmm. so it's a lot easier to screen him. Again, he's much faster than Wixon is, though, so he yeah. can cover the post a lot quicker. And you saw that with a couple of the saves that yeah, he made. made there was so, one stick save. I forgot yeah, which game it was, but it was insane. I remember there was – I think it was in the first game when the game was 3-2. to two. Uh, He slid from left to right and made an incredible save across the crease – uh, that ended up keeping U of A off the board, and that was that was one of those those saves that you shows how good of a goalie mm-hmm. he actually is. It invigorates the team too. Yeah, exactly. But again, moving into this weekend, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, they've already played Liberty once this year. It was on a neutral site, and mm-hmm. that does have to be taken into account because they didn't have to play in front of Liberty's crowd. They end up winning that game two to one. Arguably, could have been two to nothing. Um, if not for a late goal from Liberty, but the good news about the, I don't want to call it good news because it happened a while ago, but the good thing about that game was that I look back at the box score. You know how many penalties they took that game? I don't remember. One. They took one penalty in the second period. Unreal. That was for the, both teams. There was one penalty in the entire game. Damn. So if they can play like that and play five on five, we know how strong their five on five is. Mm -hmm. They've got one of the deepest lineups in the league. They've got a good chance. Yeah. If they're able to keep it at five on five the entire time. If they go, if they take eight power, if they give eight power plays up again, uh, it could very well be a long night. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, you can't take a team like that lightly. You know, it's kind of one of my favorite quotes from Jared Erickson was before the season started or it was right after the first few series. He said, you have to play the league up and down the rankings no matter who you're playing you have to play them with respect and i mean there it's that respect and we're gonna win i respect you as an opponent but we're gonna come in and win and that's what we want to do and that's what we think we're gonna do but with liberty it's on the road tough barn tough team this is the test of the yeah. season for unlv because it's... they're not going to be playing minnow state they're not going to be playing lindenwood until maybe nationals yeah this is their test to prove what they're made of because right. their next opponents, GCU, I don't believe is even ranked in the top 25. 
ASU is like maybe 24th in the nation. No. And Oregon isn't even ACHA D1, I believe. I think no, they're just I, kind of playing they this either, year. They either are going to D, they either are in D1 for the first time this year or they move to D1 next year. I think year. they're moving to D1 next year with like University of Mary and those yeah. teams. So okay. it's just Either way. Either way, it's not like they're playing super tough competition. No. Yeah, you still have to play the league top to bottom, but this is still going to be the test. It's kind oh, of abs- like the Vegas Golden Knights right now. They're playing the best teams in the league yeah. on the road. It's going to show them what they're made of. Yeah, exactly. I-, I couldn't have said that better myself. And like we like we had talked about earlier in the year, that that first long road trip they did was a test to see can they win on the road. Mm-hmm. This is a test now to see can they pull out a win against a top five team on the road. Yeah. And I don't care what level of college sport, whatever the sport is, that's not an easy task Mm-mm. to win against a top five team on the road. And you, to be honest, you rarely see teams do it. Yeah. Um, but, again, this this team does have the ability to do it. They just have to put everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they can come out of this weekend with at least one win, it's a win. Yeah. Um, they cannot afford to get swept, though. Like no. They absolutely just cannot afford to get swept. And it's not like they're gonna like fall in the rankings or anything. They're they're pretty much solidified in nationals, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but it's still you can't. It's not a good look. Because is what it is. The last time they got swept was on the road against UCO. Yep. It was a punch in the mouth the first night with that late goal by Davin Burton, and then it was just an absolute blowout the next night. Yep. And then that turned into their last loss and their only loss at home. So they lost three straight. Yeah. And that kind of shows, well, you got punched in the mouth the first night. And then you're kind of like sputtering the second night and you're like getting blown out and just like slapped around. Then you come back home playing a team that's not even really ranked as high and you lose at home after chasing the game the whole night. So it kind of is like, a trend like you don't want to fall into that trend like no because these guys they've been putting their heart and soul into this season they're riding high on this winning streak so if they get punched in the mouth and then kicked when they're down the next night and get swept it's going to be a bit scary moving forward i mean asu isn't a isn't an amazing team either but hockey's super streaky sometimes it's super mental so if you kind of get humbled really bad to the point where you're not confident and you're skating more upright and you're not really like playing your angles right you're not playing your man right you're not forechecking hard you're not you're you're like thinking too much because you're like well we just got swept on the road we got punched in the mouth we got beaten to death when we're down now we need to fix something like something's wrong we need to like fix something get ready for nationals because this 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 is this and then you start overthinking it you're not skating the right way you're not shooting the right way you're overthinking plays you're turning the puck over and it's just a cycle because it's such a big mental aspect to the sport so it's really, really important. I can't un- like yeah. say that enough. It's so important this weekend. Well, one of the thing I want to make one last point before we go on and start talking about some some Golden Knights hockey, because um, we've gone on for quite a while about this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but fortunately, there's not a lot going on with the Golden Knights right now. But anyway, um, the, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing for them to lose a game this weekend, um, because one of the things you got to be careful with is when you get on these kind of win streaks, like we were talking about earlier. Sometimes you can get a little arrogant. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not the worst thing for your team to be taken down a peg and realize, yeah. hey, we can be beat. Okay? It's it's not the worst thing in the world for a team to lose. Yeah. Again, you don't want to drop two on the road because it doesn't look very good. 
Um, again, they're not going to fall out of the top 10 nationally if they get swept. Um, but it's still something that they kind of need to make sure that they can go in there, compete in both games, and pull out a win in at least one of them. Yeah, if they win at least one, like you said earlier, it's a win. Yeah, so... Anyway, if you want to watch the game this weekend, um, just follow the Skating Rebels on Twitter. They're going to post a link to it. Um, that's that's all I really know about it. I yeah. don't have anything else, <laughs> any other information on that. But anyway, let's move on. Talk a little bit of Golden Knights hockey, just a little briefly. Again, not a ton going on. They're on. They're in the midst of their their big road test of the season. They've pulled out in two games. They got three points. They picked up a one nothing shutout first time. Yay! Robin Leonard finally gets yeah. his shutout of the season. Um, Very tight game too. Yes, uh, that that was that was a game that looked like it was in doubt up until the very end. Um, but then they then they have come to Carolina. Carolina jumps out to a 2-0 lead in the second period. Uh, they end up pulling a point out of that game, though, which is not the worst thing on the planet, especially because they re- they got outplayed for a good majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Still ended up winning – still ended up not winning, getting a point out of that game. So three points in two games, not the worst thing in the world. Um, then they've got the <laughs> – I don't want to call it the trip of death because I mean that's that was the old term for the uh, <laughs> the uh, the California teams, but uh, Florida's kind of turning into that now. With uh, then they got they got to go play Florida tomorrow night, and then they have to play Tampa this weekend. And the, I mean those are two again, of the best teams in the league. Again, I mean they're two teams that can score yeah a lot. We've seen Florida's averaging like six goals a game or something. Yeah, and I think there was like a stretch that. of three games where they had like. 23 goals for and like four goals against or something like that yeah and (laughs) if the golden knights are going to play defense like they have all year uh they're going to get lit up yeah (laughs) Uh, so that one's going to be an interesting game um when they played tampa they played tampa pretty tight but tampa was missing a lot of players Mm -hmm. so i don't know the rest of the trip's going to be interesting again if they can pull one more point out of these next two games uh, a four point split in this in this kind of trip that they're going on is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and I'm going to do a little bit of a plug and a little bit of a shout-out really quick. Um, I I do another hockey talk show with Lindsey Brown of 1140 The Bet, um, Las Vegas, and we talked about this road trip this week on the pod, and me and her, we both kind of agreed, like, yeah, if they get three points out of this road trip, it's a win. Hey, They have the three points now, so, I mean, they can get, sh- like, slapped around by Florida and Tampa, and I'll still say, hey, well – got three points i mean you're playing the four of like maybe the six top teams in the league so i mean that's all you can really ask for is like one win and an overtime loss yeah but obviously the team would like to come out with a win fans would like to see them come out with a couple more wins or at least one more win but I'm honestly okay if they lose another if they lose <laughs> yeah. both games and one of them's in overtime yeah just to be completely honest get it get a few more points out of that with a six all, point road trip would be amazing with all the injuries they have with the people out with covid mm-hmm. Again, if you can get four points out of this road trip, it's a success after yeah. a, what I would consider a failure of a homestand. Yeah, that was When you horrible. only get half of the points on a homestand, that's not good enough. It's terrible. But anyway, the last topic we're going to kind of talk about today again. Um, Eichel's back skating with the team. He looks like he's getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Kelly McCrimmon said that he's going to look closer than he is, but – he's back he's ta- he's doing line rushes with the team the only thing is he's not cleared for contact yet but you got to figure that's coming soon and max pacioretty is back pa- practicing with the team mm-hmm. in full contact so my whole theory about them trying to play the ltir game doesn't look like it's going to happen no. and i gotta be honest <laughs> i'm very happy about that because the ltir game is not going to work for this team no um but again eichel looks like he's going to be making a mid-february 
debut, which is good for him. Um, I'm really happy that after all the crap that he went through in Buffalo, mm-hmm. that he finally is going to get to play hockey again for a team that actually lets him have the medical competent. How how pissed off do you think somebody in Buffalo has got to be if he comes back, same Jack Eichel, and comes back after, what, three months <laughs> or something like that? Oh, man. I don't feel bad for them, though. I think more of them will be showing up with bags over their head. Yeah. It's kind of like them in Philadelphia is kind of on the struggle bus right now. Philadelphia's Get Alex lost. Out of Buffalo, please. Yeah, like Philadelphia, they, they've lost 13 straight, and Buffalo's Buffalo. So yeah, I mean, they're, exactly. they're both pretty bad. You know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how, um, how the Golden Knights move forward with all of this. Again, we've made our piece about what we think the team's going to do. Um, we're not going to go through that again because it's, it's just beating a dead horse at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but, yeah, I mean – when he comes back, somebody's got to go. So yeah. we'll we'll see what they end up doing. Hopefully, they don't tear the team apart too much. But you got to figure somebody's going to go. Somebody's who's liked is going to have to go as well. Um, but we'll go ahead and leave it at that. Um, we're way over time at this point, so uh, <laughs> that's going to conclude this week's episode of Around the Boards. Uh, be sure to check out all of the written work at RebelReportUNLV.com for all of your latest article updates and other things regarding the teams around Southern Nevada. Uh, Once again, I'm Matt Atencio. I'm Dominic Lavoie. And thanks for stopping by. We'll see you on the next one.